0: It's good. It's good to be back together, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Good to to meet together. I know that many of us have missed certainly the evening service, and it's time to uh, come together. And it's. uh, I'm I'm pleased to be able to uh, bring God's word tonight. Um, I want to uh, just reflect a little on uh, Psalm 139. Um, For for reasons I won't go into, Val and I have had the moment over the last few weeks just to reflect again on this wonderful psalm. Um, You might want to just turn to it in your Bibles, it will come up on the screen hopefully. Um, And I'm going to read just verses 1 uh, to 18. You have searched me, Lord... will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day and for darkness is as light to you. For you created my, most in, my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you Oh God, how vast is the sum of them? Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Father God, I pray that you might speak through these words tonight. By your Spirit, you might minister to our hearts. To our minds, to our lives. Lord, that you might refresh us and renew us in your love. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I decided to um, entitle this, uh, uh, I was going to say little talk then, but I, d- I don't want to mislead you. <laughs> Tim. Tim. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have yes, yeah I want to entitle this, uh, this talk. Um, who do you think you are? Somebody get that? <laughs> who do you think you are? And I want to start by showing you a picture that's going to come up on the screen, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> Picture, there we are, there's a picture for you. Some of you might recognise that picture. If you, uh, the next slide would just remind you. If, we can have, yeah. if you watch the BBC uh, drama series called The Midwife, at the beginning of the, of the, the um, programme, there are a series of photographs. The, the programme, the drama is set in Poplar in East London and there are photographs supposedly of East London um, that run through it. And one of them is this picture. If we go back to the the next slide, that's a bit of a clearer picture. And when when this picture was first put on, people um, apparently asked, phoned the BBC or contacted the BBC and said, is that photoshopped? Is that uh, boat sort of photoshopped in behind? But it's not, because behind that, at the end of the street, behind that fence there was the King George V, dry dock in silvertown in east london is about a mile further east from poplar where the program is set and um so the boats would come in to the dry dock and um a bit bit like a a a lock where the boat, the things would be closed and the water would be drained out and the boats would sit there and they'd be repaired fascinating you think how do you know this and what's the point you say The reason I know this is because about three streets this way is where I grew up. Where from the age, the house that I was born into and where I lived till I was about 22 is about three streets that way. And this building here is where I went to school. Whoa. Whoa. Amazing, really. And um, the really in- the more interesting thing for me is that uh, this picture was taken a bit before my time. It was taken in 1937. And uh, my, uh, my uncle has got this picture, and he's had it all cleaned up. And he is convinced that these children, the, one of the children in the street, just the back there, is him. And that the child that's sitting on the wall is my dad. Yes, yeah, all very. Yeah. The other interesting thing is another, the street, one street this way, is the church where uh, I was sent to Sunday school as a child, and where I first heard about Jesus and uh, starting of me on my journey. Um, and so you, know the back streets of Silvertown to the heights of Chipping Camden. Nothing is impossible for God. (laughs) Why show show you this picture? Well, because it perhaps just tells you something about me, where I come from. And uh, as I'm thinking about who do you think you are, that's often, you know, someone says, who are you, you will tell them your name and where you're from, often, or what you do. Who do you think you are is often about those kind of things. And as we reflect on this psalm i think we discover that there's much more who do you think you are is a big question and it's a serious question that i think god wants us to have a deep answer to it has to do with our personal identity and our eternal destiny god wants us to know who we are. And that identity, that especially that spiritual identity, can get lost, uh, particularly in difficult times in life. We, we lose, uh, lose a sense of who we really are in God. And perhaps over these last months, particularly when we've been adrift, when we've not been able to meet together and, and share the fellowship and the encouragement of one another... Perhaps there's been those moments where we've drifted and wondered, "So who am I? Perhaps lost that sense of God's presence with us. And so I, I just sense that as we seek to reset, as we sort of come back and, uh, and reset, you know, as we've been talking about uh, in our morning service, about that, that sense of, of mending the nets, of, of preparing things and getting things back together again, Maybe God wants to say to us again, I want to remind you who you really are. And I think the words of this psalm help us. The first observation that the psalmist makes is that God knows us intimately. You have searched me and you know me, Lord. That truth that God is not impersonal. He is very up close and very personal. You get the sense for the psalmist that that's a bit too close as you read through the psalm. We've all become uh, quite aware of our personal space, haven't we, in, in recent days. You know. I, never, I never thought there'd be a time when walking down the street, seeing somebody come the other way, the right thing to do was to cross to the other side <laughs> of the road. But God searches and knows you, he is very close. The word translated search literally means to dig deep. It was applied to the sense of of searching for precious metals. God doesn't just ask after us. He searches for us. He examines our thoughts, our motives, our agonies, our angers, our triumphs, Our pains, our pleasures, our ideas, our imaginings, our feelings. God has a heart for us. A searching God who wants to know us completely. When God looks at you, he doesn't take just a quick glance. He thoroughly examines us, looks at us into the very secret corners of our being. No matter how hard we may try to cover up, we are all open to him. He knows it all. He sees it all. There were two, there was a couple on holiday on the south of England, and they were driving through the, along the shore past a, a body of water, and they were having a discussion whether this was was this the English Channel, or was this um, the Falmouth Estuary? So they decided, rather than uh, continue to argue, they'd ask somebody. So they stopped and asked these ladies who were sitting by the on the on the promenade, and they said, um, "Excuse me, is this the English Channel?" To which they replied, "Well, part of it." The woman's answer applies to us. You know, like the English Channel, a large part of who we are lies unseen, even by ourselves. But God says, I know you completely. I know all your actions and your thoughts and your words. He knows what I've done. He knows why I did it. He knows all of it. And he goes on to say, the psalmist goes on to say, you know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my, perceive my thoughts from afar. See my East London accent coming out there, did you? Did you notice? Thoughts. They did, when I, was at, uh, when I was at theological college, they tried to give me elocution lessons. They gave up. And then they tried to teach me Greek. ended up with the principal writing to my bishop saying we can't teach this guy English so we're never going to teach him Greek anyway I digress (laughs) he knows our every thoughts every actions everything he could think of was known by God he says you discern my going out my lying down you're familiar with all my words before a word is on my tongue you know it completely isn't that awesome? But God knows you intimately. He is up close and personal with you in a special way. But it also is a scary thought, isn't it? Isn't that scary? God knows you. He doesn't know about just about you. He knows you. The creator, sovereign Lord of all the universe knows little old you and me, intimately. I have a friend who's, um, it's always important for him to let me know that he knows people. So if I mention a famous person, he'll be quick to say, I know him, I know him. What he generally means is that he once saw him from a distance or maybe once have been in the same building as he was. The psalm is not talking about God having some vague acquaintance with us or even that God would might recognize us in the street. It's a real intimate knowing. The sovereign of the universe knows you. He knows every part of you. He knows the secret places of your minds. He knows the good stuff but he knows the bad stuff as well. And on the face of it, we might think that's not good news. (laughs) Do I really want someone to know me that well? But the message and the inference of the psalm is clear, that he knows everything, but he still loves you. He still wants to be close to you. He still wants to be with us because he loves us so all that he knows changes nothing so we can relax tim started the service by talking about being kind to ourselves you know god is kind to us sometimes we create this image of him being this ogre sitting there waiting for us to make a mistake and he's not he knows us and he loves us And he sent Jesus to die for us. Amazing. Isn't that great news? We do, as human beings, we do all kinds of things to try and get people to like us and love us. There's a great deal of of pretense that goes on, isn't there? But we don't have to pretend with God. One of the most uh, illuminating and interesting things that uh, I used to do was... um, marriage preparation courses. There were times we got together people who were preparing for marriage and, and part of the courses we would give them questionnaires to fill in. And we'd ask them to fill in. You, some of you may have done this. We asked them to fill their questionnaire in individually and then come back together and discuss their answers. And it was always <laughs> illuminating. You'd <laughs> sit there in the room and they'd be going, What? <laughs> or, Really? <laughs> as people discovered and revealed their answers and they discovered things about one another, even if they'd been together for a long time and some of them often had, they discovered things about themselves, things that they didn't know, things that, dare I say, some had hidden from their intended. But we don't have to do that with God. We don't have to hide things or pretend with Him. He knows it all. I have to say, there was only, as far as I know, there was only one couple who didn't get married as a result of the marriage preparation call. Cool. <laughs> we don't have to pretend with God, and there's nothing we can hide. He knows us, but He loves us regardless. Sometimes I think we judge ourselves when God is not. He knows us and he loves us regardless. He's seen me at my most horrible and on the one or two occasions at my most wonderful. At my highest and my lowest point and it changes nothing for him. He knows me and he loves me. He knows you and he loves you. The second thing that the psalmist realizes is that we are held and there is no way that God will let us go. As I say, for some of us, the thought of God's knowledge of everything about us is a bit overwhelming and we, perhaps like the psalmist, start thinking about how, how can I get away? How can I run away from this? It's too much. Perhaps we want to shut the door and lock him out. But the psalmist says, just when I think I'm running away from him, I find myself running into him. There are all kinds of things we want to escape from, aren't there? <laughs> we were, last year, um, it was, uh, we were, Val and I were walking down uh, in, at home and uh, walking past the local school. And there was uh, a group of children. It was the... Uh, um, early years part of the school, what we used to call nursery. And uh, so these children were running around and as we walked past, some of them come up to the fence and said, hello. And we replied, hello. And this little boy, about four years old, ran up to the fence and he said, here mister, have you got a chainsaw at home? (laughs) (laughs) And we looked at each other and I said to him, uh, what, what, what do you want a chainsaw for? And this little four-year-old boy, the deepest sigh I have ever heard. Shaking his head, said, "I've got to get out of here." <laughs> <laughs> he clearly wanted to escape. There were things happening. He didn't. He did not want to be there. And sometimes it's like that with God. Is we don't want to, We don't want to be here. But this, but this um, verse 5 says that we are surrounded. It tells us we are surrounded by the lo- loving hand of God. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Well, again, the word translated, hem me in, means to, to encircle, to lay siege to. The word, the root implies a wall put around us. That will protect us from everything. That sense that God surrounds us. We can't turn back to escape from Him for He is behind us. We can't go forward to outrun God because He was before us. He holds us. He holds us. At the time the psalm was written, it was properly assumed in in most cultures that uh, gods were very local. Um, they were confined per, to a particular locality. There was the gods of the hills. There was the gods of the plains, and, and the thought was the God of Israel couldn't possibly exist in other countries. But the psalmist knew the truth. He says, "If I went to the ends of the earth, you are there. Where can I go from your Spirit? Where can I flee from your presence?" Even if I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I go to the far side of the sea, the wings of the dawn, the east, the the far side of the sea, the west, no matter what I do, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Isn't that wonderful? Your right hand will will hold me fast. We might want to escape from God. You might even think that God has escaped from you. But we are brought back to reality. This psalm tells us categorically that God knows you and he loves you and he holds you fast. Who do you think you are? You are the one that is known, loved and held by God. And he does so even in the midst of the darkness, the deepest darkness. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, the, night will become, the light will become night around me. And he goes on. <laughs> is that time up, is it? <laughs> and he goes on for you created me my inmost being you knit me together in my mother's womb I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made your works are wonderful I know that full well who do you think you are? you are fearfully and wonderfully made and his works are wonderful there was a time a few years ago where um, Val was encouraged to get this psalm out and stand in front of the mirror and look herself in the eye and read it to herself. I recommend it. Look yourself in the eye and say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. That's who you are. That's who I am. It doesn't matter what other people say, what the other voices in your head or around you, what social media says or, or any other kinds of things. or Even what you think. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And God, your loving Heavenly Father, wants you to know wants you to know that you are a unique creation of his born with a life a purpose and a destiny mind-blowing stuff when you sit and think about it when you just reflect on it begins to, begins to dawn on the psalmist that god's knowledge, knowledge of him was a good thing not a bad thing It was wonderful that God was paying such special attention to him. And he says, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! Were I to count them, they would upnumber the sands of the sea. When I am awake, I am still with you. And the last verses of the psalm, which I didn't read, he invites God to know him even better. He says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. It dawns on him that God's interest in him was not to find fault with him, but because of a heart that was full of perfect love for him. Remember Jesus said, even the hairs on your head are numbered, so don't be afraid. Who do you think you are? You are the one who is known intimately, loved completely, Surrounded and held tightly the God who made you fully and wonderful and fearfully. He can't keep his eyes off you. God always is watching because he is crazy about us. So crazy that Jesus died for us. Who do you think you are? Maybe There have been moments in recent days when we've forgotten. Some, of course, would say, I know who I am. I'm so and so from such and such. But we're much more than that. I'm much more than David from the back streets of Silvertown in East London. We are intimately known and loved of God. We are held and surrounded by him, even in the darkness of times, in the darkness, darkest of places, still he holds on. We are his unique creation. He gives us life and purpose. He gives us future and destiny. I pray that we might hear that afresh. Not just with our ears. No, please don't just hear it with your ears. Hear it in your hearts. You are loved and held by God. Hear it in those deep places of your mind. The deep places of your spirit. God wants to speak that into you tonight. He knows you. He loves you. He holds you. He created you uniquely. And he has a purpose and a destiny for you. Amen.